Hi, welcome to This is the Pits. My name is Michael Oberst. Welcome to This is the Pits. My name is Chelsea Greenwood. And together, we are watching every single Brad Pitt movie ever made in order. That way we can dissect very meticulously Brad Pitt's career, why he's this famous, and why anyone gives a shit. Yeah. And I just want to stress, listeners, that we really want you to join us on this journey. So we're going to start putting out what movie we're going to watch more and more on our social media so that you can prep with us and watch the movie with us. Yes. And then tune in. It'll just be much more fun that way. Because it's so much, it's like, even if you've seen the movie before, you know, watch it again with that way it's fresh because it's, it makes all of our jokes make so much more sense. And the things that we talk about jokes is a strong word, but you know, the things that we talk about make so much the more jokes sense we make just watch of ourselves <laughs> every week by doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the various ways in which we embarrass ourselves are so much more prominent when you watch the movie recently <laughs> that's exactly right anyway this week is a huge week because we're doing the movie seven which is yeah. which we'll discuss in, shortly but also this mm-hmm. is the year 1995 a year we have not gotten to yet and no, it's a new year and it's a very special year would you like to tell our listener why it's a very special year, Michael. This is the year that Brad Pitt won Sexiest Man Alive. For the first time. For the first time. For the first time. See, for me, when we started this podcast, I was thinking, like, we're going to talk about him winning Sexiest Man of the Year over and over and over again. Because, like, that's one of my very first memories of him as a child. Like, like thinking of him as the sexiest man alive. You know? Yeah. Well, he's the... He is the first person to win it twice, but he's also only won it twice. Right. Along with Johnny Depp and George Clooney, his two alongsiders. George. Oh, yeah. And they both won it in around the same time. Like it was like, I think right after Brad Pitt was George Clooney. And then when Brad Pitt won it the second time, it was George Clooney immediately after him again. That's right. And it's really interesting because on Instagram, I've started following all these Brad Pitt fan accounts. Hey, guys, I hope you're listening. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's so funny because then Instagram's suggested follows are all Johnny Depp and George Clooney. It's like the three; these are the three beacons oh. of Hollywood actor fame in the '90s. They can't. I mean, and Keanu Reeves. Um, mm. Yes, totally. Keanu Reeves, totally. I mean, he's not the same. Quite, he doesn't have the, quite the same like versatility of acting as the other three. But he definitely had that like blast off to fame that those two had. Like if you think of a like mid nineties, early two thousands rat pack of movie stars, male movie stars, it's Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, George Clooney, and I would include Keanu Reeves in that. I get what you're saying, but I think that Johnny Depp and George Clooney's career lasted a lot longer. I mean Keanu Reeves is still acting, but his level of fame like, He's doing he no, he's doing John Wick. Those movies I mean, he might Fair have plateaued enough. a little bit. You're right. I forget about John Wick. I think he's um, just an action movie guy. That's that's what you mean by plateaued. It's because you don't think of him as an as versatile of an actor as uh, Brad Pitt and those other guys because he kind of only does crazy action movies. And that's he's true. Really, really and good might at. I say, might I say that out of the four of those guys, I would say that Brad Pitt is the most versatile. I agree. Like Johnny Johnny Depp uh, started playing the same character over and over again after what's eating Gilbert Grape, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I mean, I think 
a testament to Johnny Depp's uh, versatility was uh, when he did Pirates of the Caribbean, it was like, whoa, look at Johnny Depp go. And then he did 23 more more the Caribbean movies. <laughs> and, uh, and then we're like, oh, he kind of does this almost exclusively. But also he played, he played Willy Wonka and he was Jack Sparrow. His characters have continued, like, he kind of got that, like, uh, yeah. Keith Richards kind of thing going, and then he just didn't do anything else but Keith Richards. <laughs> and that's years. sort of what, what George Clooney does. He sort of has a Cary Grant thing going on, and then he just does that forever. Unlike Brad Pitt, who can play a vampire, who can play a fucking horse wrangler, who can play a detective on the scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Brad Pitt, who's running from uh, his reputation as a hot guy, and he's desperately trying to not be a hot guy, so he does everything. Yeah, which brings me to all of the research I did this week. I did more research this week than I have done for any other episode. Why? Well, I think because the movie Seven kind of requires more from us than just... Uh, how he's acting and whether or not we liked the movie, which is kind of how we've been going. I feel like we really, I wanted to come in much more educated about the time and place in which it was made. And also just about, you know, the subject matter. So same. And it's funny because I did something similar, but we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about doing that. We just both did it separately because we, I think we both recognized that this is a different movie than the other ones like there's something about this one yeah it's smart we say this every episode but this is the one (laughs) well it's definitely a smarter it's just it's like it's a wealth it was a thought out film i feel like everything in it was really much more thought out and and brad pitt had a lot more say in it yes and he made i think he made seven million dollars for this movie so we're jumping from three million dollars on legends to seven million here um but also, so I guess we should start talking about the movie, but I'd like to start talking about 1995 first, because this is the first time, like when we started talking about this podcast, we were going to, we were, t- we talked about wanting to talk about the world and how Brad Pitt's career sort of reflected the world. And I think this is the yeah. first time that that happened because, okay, seven is a movie about a serial killer. Yes. Um, 1995 the year it was made and the year it was came out was the year of the Oklahoma city bombing. Oh, wow. And it was the year of the Unabomber's manifesto was published in the New York times for the first time. We have 24 hour news cycle. People are like really tuned in to crime. And I think this movie hit that nerve so well, obviously. Um, so I just, I guess I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I agree. I think, well, we also, we sort of touched on that a little bit before when we talked about like California and stuff, um, is that there's like this like obsession with serial killers in the nineties. Cause isn't that when Zodiac came, didn't Zodiac come out in 1999 or something like yeah. that? So like there was like, and that movie was like the, a very good serial killer movie. Um, like when you talk about serial killer movies, that one you talk about that one. Um, well, because he's a true, true serial killer. He's a true, but it's also a good movie. Fucking phenomenal movie. Maybe we should take a time out from Brad Pitt to do a serial to do a Zodiac episode. 
Just kidding. No. We'll see how this one goes. <laughs> see how this one goes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just want to throw a little bit more facts about 1995 out there. If you have anything to say. Yeah, let's hear them. No, I don't really. I mean, I would, I'd be interested to hear. Uh, Michael Jordan re-entered the NBA. That In 95? Mm-hmm. He left and then he came back in 1995. Oh, yeah, I thought he... I thought. I guess I thought he left later. Oh, it's because he retired mm-hmm. and then came back again. Uh, this is the first year that DVDs came out, which is wild and crazy. I remember always having DVDs my whole life, but no, they came out in 1995, as did the website eBay, which fucking took over the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh yeah, eBay was everything. Mm-hmm. Remember that was when, and like it was a novelty that you could sell like a piece of toast on eBay or something. Yeah. Like, and it like blew. Oh my God. I forgot they how were big eBay of a deal eBay is. eBay's trash now. Yeah. I mean, I use it all the yeah. time for like, I actually tried to eBay, uh, Brad Pitt's sexiest man of the year, sexiest man alive cover just to have it for the sake of this podcast. Uh, but I couldn't find it. A few more. So if anybody out there has one. Yeah, send it to us, guys. I'm hoping that you're listening to this. Pop culture-wise, this was the year that the first Toy Story came out. It was the first all-computer-generated movie ever put released, which was a huge fucking deal. Yeah, do you remember, like, watching that movie and being like, my God, the graphics are so good. Yeah, just like, wow. Like, it was mind-blowing. Jagged Little Pill was the album of the year. Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill was the very first concert Never. I ever went to for Father's Day. Don't you whatever. You're too young to no, understand. I didn't say whatever. I said I've never. Oh. I've never heard of it. You've never heard of Jagged Little Pill? Oh, I'm so sorry. What? Oh, my God. It was the biggest thing that ever existed. It was my first concert, my first record. It was like you could never imagine a bigger record. They don't make them like that no more. I wish the people listening could see the fate, like what you just did. Like she just like closed her eyes and like rubbed her hand on her forehead. And was like, I wish I just like the most stressed out from that <laughs> so, state. <laughs> so intense that you've never listened to Jagged Little Pill. You're the only one I know. Um, and then the last thing was Selena was murdered that year. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, that's a big year. There's a lot of stuff happening. Again, is that when? Wait, when did? Never mind. The Scott, the Scott, um, what's his name? Lacey Scott Peterson trial. That was later, right? That was ninety like seven or eight, right? Couldn't tell you. I've never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> is that how we talk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the movie Seven? Yeah, let's talk about the movie that we came here to talk about. Um, I want to know first, did you like this movie? Yeah, I did. And have you seen this movie before? I'd never seen it before. Okay, so the big thing about this movie, well, not the big thing, but a huge thing about this movie is the ending, right? Were you expecting that? Um... No, because somehow I feel like I heard a rumor somewhere that Brad Pitt was the serial killer. So so I was and I was like, oh, fuck, somebody spoiled the ending for me. And so some like I kept holding out for that to right. be the surprise. 
Right. That's interesting. Even when we saw Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I still was like holding out for Brad Pitt to be the serial killer somehow or like for them to be in cahoots. Yeah. So you Um, were watching this movie like with thinking that you were going to predict something or waiting for something that you knew was going to happen to happen. Right. Correct. And then it didn't happen. It's I. Yep. I also really like this movie. Had you seen it before? I had seen it before. And so I but I hadn't seen it in a long enough time so that I like I forgot how everything unfolded. But. Yeah. I also was watching it holding out for the ending, which we'll get to. We'll circle back. I just wanted to take your temperature, see how you how you felt. Uh yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it and I the ending was good. I have actually a, a few things to say about the ending. So when we get there, mm-hmm. there's some stuff to say. So I'm like out I like so last time I I drank mate, yerba mate, and it made me insane. This time I'm just going with regular ass coffee. And for some reason it's making me out of breath. <laughs> so like Jesus. I keep catching myself like, <sighs> like breathing <laughs> right into the microphone. That's why I feel lucky that I'm later in the afternoon. I couldn't I don't think I could do this in the morning. I like doing it in the morning because I'm it's like I'm a little bit my brain's a little bit still in dream world, so um I feel uh crazy. <laughs> Great. Anyway, um let's talk about seven. So uh, I mean, my first impression of like when I was watching it in the beginning, when Brad Pitt just shows up on the scene, is that he looks initially looks very comfortable on screen. He looks like he knows he's a star, mm-hmm. and he's got those bleached tips, mm-hmm. and he is acting. He is acting for like he's like you're paying you're paying for an actor. So I'm going to give you an actor. Yeah, I had the you know same what I mean? thought. Totally, 100%. He blows on the scene with that basketball hoop tie, <laughs> the, which are his, by the way. He brought all of his own ties because yeah, he wanted he wanted too. the audience to think that his character had bad sense of style, which I loved. Like, he really was thoughtful with his character. Choices. He does that a lot. He, he brings – I'm noticing that, like, he – when he is, is cast for a part, no matter how big or small, like in True Romance or if it's this, or in Legends of the Fall, he likes to have say about things that his character does. Like mm-hmm. He likes to call some of the shots. Yeah, um, the shots that no one else is caring about. Like he, Nobody would have thought what this guy would dress. They would just put him in a cop's uniform. But he was like, I'm going to think a little bit more. I want to give a little bit more color. Yeah, he, want, he likes to give the characters a certain amount of depth and and... You know, he said – I saw him say in an interview, like, one of the things that was important to him was that Detective Mills was flawed, um, mm-hmm. was that he he had a flawed character and that – and he wanted to make sure that it felt like he was not some perfect, hot, new detective. He wanted him to be a flawed character. And I think he did a good job of bringing that to, to him, which I think is – kind of has something to do with his relationship with, like, directors and stuff. You know what I mean? Because, like, he's famous for um, having – interesting relationships with his directors and i think this is an this and true romance are good examples of when he has a good relationship with the director that he can tell the director something like hey what if i bring my own ties right and the director's like you know and they're like yeah that's that's good that way he he and the director have a little back and forth you know and i think it always pays off it seems to me in doing research that he and david fincher who was the director um kind of came into this movie with a united vision of what they wanted um, yeah, how, and how to tell the story. So even before 
David Fincher started directing him, they had fought in their contracts to keep the script a certain way, which again, we'll circle back to when we get to the end of the movie. But yeah. they, they had a United Vision that was like contractually obligated by uh, the studio to to uphold, which I thought like fucking fuck. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah. So anyway. Give us creative license. Anyway, tell me how does the movie start? Tell me what the movie's about. Well, the movie is about uh, this uh, old detective whose name is Morgan Freeman in real life, who is ab- about to retire, and um, he gets called on to a murder case, and he's got this new partner who's Brad Pitt, who's new in town. He's a hot shot, and um, he's a hot shot. He's a hot shot detective from a different city, and uh, you know Morgan Freeman doesn't really like him very much, and and they get called to the crime scene of the first murder, which is. Gluttony, which is this big fat guy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up, back it up. Back it up, pack it in. Let me begin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we don't know when it starts that it's going to be a series of murders, which I think most of my contemporaries have seen this movie. So most people know that it does become a movie about the murder of seven murders, one for each deadly sin, right? But... Right, but assuming I mean, like, you've never seen this start. before, you just see this gruesome fucking death of a huge, big, fat, bloated man. There's a bucket of vomit. There's like roaches everywhere. Oh. It's pouring rain outside. Like again, like with the, with the intention behind this movie and why I felt like I needed to research it was that it seemed like everything was really thought out. That it was raining. That they had they used real bugs in the production. That it was like they set up this intentionally very dark scene throughout the whole thing like they used a specific chemical thing to make the colors darker so that you were kind of always felt like you were in the nitty-gritty and in the dark um and they set it up like that with a bang and you don't know that it's going to be a series of murders and so imagine watching it for the first time which i guess you did i did okay so big fat fucking man now go on well, yeah. Okay. So I, I did say that it was the first of a series, but we at that time, we don't know that it's a series. We just see this big fat guy who's dead as fuck. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really vivid. It's like, you know, it's at the beginning that this movie could kind of go either way because it's just like cops with good dialogue and Brad Pitt's hot. Totally. And Morgan Freeman, I mean, Morgan Freeman, like people, they thought he wasn't going to take the role because it's kind of... Uh, too gritty, you know, and, and he's he's a much more like family type of guy, you know. He's 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 got a, a soft personality and a soft face and a soft voice, just very soothing. So it's like, oh, it's not really a movie that you would expect him to take. Mm-hmm. But he he um, apparently was enthusiastic about taking it. So he was you the have first Morgan one Freeman, to sign you have on. Brad Pitt. Yeah, um, so you have Morgan Freeman, you have Brad Pitt. You know, I I I wouldn't expect this to be so gruesome so quick. Right. And it was, which mm-hmm. I, I like that. Though. I mean, like, I like that kind of shit. So like, me too. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So um, and it's just like the way they do the veins. I mean, the makeup in this movie is amazing. amazing. The, the it's like they do such cool stuff with makeup and, and set dressing and practical effects. Like, right. It's, it's, well, just even the fact that that was an actor, that guy who played that big fat man was a yeah, person they all were. like they could we. I feel like nowadays they would have just built a person. You don't need to hire a SAG actor yes. to like put makeup on for many, many hours and then have them play dead. Like now we would just have built that creature. 
and called it a day. The guy, the guy who was tied up, the lawyer, mm-hmm. he renegotiated his SAG contract. I saw that. <laughs> the minute he showed up on set. Yeah. He showed up on set. He realized he didn't even know he was. I mean, first of all, what the fuck? How do you not know what character you're playing until the day you show up on set? Maybe that was the production's fault, but he shows up on set. He doesn't know what he's doing, and then he finds out, and he's like, he immediately renegotiates for three times as much as he was getting paid. He was getting paid the SAG minimum, which is like five hundred a day or something like that. And as soon as he realized what he was doing, he was like, "Oh yeah, pay me more." Yeah, and they did, because he just sat there like basically nude and covered yeah, for so long in that literal his knees got stuck to the floor. Yeah, because of literal buckets of blood. Okay, so this is this brings us to murder number two. So now basically, there's this. Face off between this older, wiser Morgan Freeman cop and this young buck hotshot, seemingly more off the cuff, a little bit less intelligent, less intuitive cop, who's Brad Pitt, who's just moved to the city, which very purposely there is no city attached to this whole thing. And and you find yourself, or at least I do, you find yourself wondering what city. I was like, did I miss something? Are they in New York? Are they in Chicago? It's actually just... A metropolitan a place. It's just a city. Which, which is kind of cool. Totally it's cool. cool. I, I 100% appreciate it. I felt yeah. happy that it actually happened a few times where I was like, did I miss something? No, no, no. That was intentional. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, I think that – so then we also see Gwyneth Paltrow early on who um, – oh, we didn't even mention – 1995, also a big year because this is when he starts dating Gwyneth Paltrow. When they met on the scene, on the scene here, and a little a fun little factoid about that was that David Fincher's top choice was Gwyneth Paltrow for the, for that role, and she wasn't mm-hmm. famous yet. She was just beginning. She was in kind of the same place as Brad, a little bit less, and she David Fincher approached her on his own without talking to Brad about it, and she turned it down because she was like, "This is." Definitely not for me. I don't want to be in a murder mystery. I've just come off of, I think it was Great Expectations, or she was about to do Great Expectations. And Brad Pitt personally said, please come in and do this role with me. And then they fell in love and the rest is history. How about that? Um, and she <laughs> she did good. She did good. There's a few moments, though, where she was like, there's a lot of hand acting. You know, yeah. she like act, she's acting like she thinks acting comes from jazz the hand. hands. <laughs> yeah, like she's well, like. We do have to remember well, it was early in her career. <laughs> yeah. Just, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have Morgan she, she Freeman. Came out of, she came out fine. She came out fine. So we have Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt. They have these these two like very archetypal cops. They do not get along. And Brad Pitt's like, give me the case, give me the case, give me the case. Morgan Freeman's like, I'm, I don't want this case because I am retiring in a week, in exactly seven days, and I do not. And he's like, I think this is going to go on forever. Give the young buck this kid's case. I'll take the next one that comes along, yep. which just so happened to be the lawyer case, which we find out mm-hmm. after combing through the lawyer case that it's the same murderer. And then they go back. He goes back to the first scene and he finds a thing about gluttony. And he's like, oh, this must be the place. This is the place. And then we kind of figure it out. And um, and then, yeah, let's see. I wrote down 
Oh, yeah. So at first I wrote, wow, he's acting so well. Like Brad Pitt is acting amazingly. And then around this part of the movie, I went, wait, I take it, take it back. He's kind of acting bad. Yeah. Did I, you get that? Did you feel like that? No, I didn't. I kind of felt the opposite. When he first started, when he first came on the scene, I was like, oh, no, we're back to this. Like, I can tell you're acting. I feel like the last <laughs> movie or two, we were like, wow, he was the role. He was the role. He's embodied it. Um, but I will say that I didn't write many notes, but one of my notes was it was nice to see him play just a guy and not like an overblown character of a person. Like he was just a guy. Yes, he was a cop who was mixed up in bad business and like had this like wife and stuff, but he was just a dude ultimately. He kind of plays, he's good at playing just a dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we haven't really seen him play just a dude yet. Or at least the last three or four episodes, he was like, he was a Legends of the Fall. He was a vampire. He was a stoner. He was a fucking yeah. But the stoner was. I think the stoner was kind of just a dude. No, the stoner I mean, it was, was a character, so overblown. Was... The stoner was such a moron. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I I just know that later in his career he does really good at playing just a dude, and and I think this is a good example of that. But mm-hmm. um, just a dude in quite an extreme, overblown scenario. Right. Where they wasted a ton of water. Can you imagine how much water they wasted while filming this movie? I know. Because it was raining because, the entire like, time. For, In okay, California. For just, yeah, just just for those who like don't know how they do this. like In a movie when there's rain, they get a big, huge, like, like a fuel tanker-sized truck. And they fill it full of water. And they attach these big sprinklers to it, and they go really high up in the air, and then they just pour water. And so these big ta- – I mean – and you go through like two or three of these tankers a day, mm-hmm. depending on how much you're shooting. And it's like a crazy amount of water. And they just – and like they shot so much outside, and, and all, there's a lot of rain on the windows throughout the movie. It's like <laughs> so much water and all the funny, time. And it's because I was reading about that too, that they were like, we wanted to make it really rainy because we wanted everybody to feel miserable and uncomfortable where they were watching this. But also we wanted to protect ourselves in case it rained in real life. And it's like, you're shooting in Los Angeles. Having grown up in LA, it rains three to five times a year. <laughs> yeah, that hard, seriously. at least. At least. Um, but anyway, so let's just get through the plot line. So, uh, right, sorry. So, at first, they, these guys don't like each other. They're not aligned at all. Gwyneth Paltrow oversteps her bounds, in my opinion, calls Brad Pitt's... Oh, yeah. Calls Morgan like, Freeman. Morgan Freeman comes over for dinner. Then they finally start getting on the same page, and they're like, okay, we can't be separated. We're going to fucking go forth and prosper here. Um, yeah. And then there was kind of a lull in the murders in terms of like the time in which the movie was made. Um. So how was how do we find the third murder? Oh God! Uh, oh yeah. Do you remember? It's the body. It's it's the. No, I wait. It's the body on sure. the bed, and there's all those car fresheners on the ceiling, and it is yeah. fucking terrifying from the minute you walk in, and you see this like emaciated, scary body, and you see. That you see, basically, we find out that this person isn't just murdering for the sins. Like and had thought of it yesterday. He has been. He has had this person for 365 days to the year that the cops found him. He's been. He's he's playing the long game. He's playing the long game, but it's like all of a sudden you're like, whoa! This isn't just a crazy murder mystery. This is like a fucking psychological thriller to the max, right? 
I mean, I sort of thought that when it was like Seven Deadly Sins, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, now it's honestly now Seven Deadly Sins thing. It's a little gimmicky, but I, I mean, at the same time, it was it works for this that, movie. Yeah, it works because of the way it unfolded. And but yeah, I see what you're saying. Like this murder was like, whoa, this shit go like, it's crazy. It's kind of fucking crazy. And fun fact, they didn't tell those guys who were playing the SWAT. Yeah. That that emaciated body was uh, a, a real person. That's crazy. And then it, so that for me was the highlight. Honestly, outside of the ending and and this moment when he comes to life, when you're like he's been oh, in, he's been starved for one year. He's fully dead. He's his makeup is amazing. The actor who they cast was 96 pounds when they cast him, and he lost six pounds when he entered. Like it was really well thought out. And then he comes to life, crazy. and you're like, what? It scared me. It scared me so bad. I shouted. I my cat jumped three feet in the air from my shout. <laughs> <laughs> Did she do that really funny thing that cats do, where it's just somehow they just go straight, straight up? In up. The air. <laughs> I love when they do that. I don't get it either because they could be, they could be like laying on their back, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're flying in the air. <laughs> Cats are the funniest alien creatures in the universe. <laughs> I hollered. She went straight up in the air and I said, okay, I'm into this. Um, so then they're like, wow, this guy has been on the case for 365 days. He's. Do we ever find out if that guy, so they get him to the hospital, but do, do we ever find out if he like pulls through and lives? No, I think, I think they alluded to the fact that he's going to die because his brain is mush. And because if you shine a flash, he said, if you shine a flashlight in this guy's eye, he's going to die. That's how fucked he is. Which I don't know if that Crazy. makes full sense, but no, he said he, if you shine a light in his eye, he'll go into shock. Which, ugh. And then he was like, he was like, if you, he's like, so is he gonna live or not? And he was like, well, I mean, he's let's put it this way, he's not like been through the worst of it yet. So, ugh. I they I think they do allude to the fact that he's gonna die, but I just, I mean, to me, I mean, I know this is like oversimplifying. Things, no, no, but he like, said he said, and he's not even in hell yet. Right. Which but like to nice. me, in like in an oversimplified way, and this might be because like, I don't know, I'm like a mild hypochondriac. But if you get to the hospital, you're good. Like you're probably gonna, you'll be fine. Yeah, but like, why would you want to live after 365 days of that kind of torture? What's the point? Oh my god, I know. Have you he seen that no movie, The Peach Tapes? No. Oh, it's a scary movie, but like it's that kind of thing. This girl was. Like, I mean, it's like those things where you find you read about those people who were like kidnapped or like abused really bad from when they were a child. And then they're like kept in their in like a basement for like seven years and like their entire childhood. They've never seen the light of day or something. And then it's like they're rescued. And you're like, OK, but like what kind of life are you going to live? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to fucking go get a job at Whole Foods now? Like, what do you do after we, that? Like, you know what we should do? We should start a podcast in which we interview people like that after this. <laughs> no, that's so sad. That that's good I would... from pop culture to the tragedy of human society. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you know, we're gonna be like, so uh, anyway, that was heavy. Go ahead and follow our Instagram. <laughs> like, <laughs> we no we almost died. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, that's like... not funny, but I'm funny, girl. <laughs> Anywho, so let's bring it back to the movie. So. We meet death number three. Oh, and there's all those fucking car fresheners in the air. And you're like, oh, my God, it must smell so bad. Every scene, every death scene must have smelled so bad. So then 
I I get mixed up on the chronology here. So we find the third murder. Uh, we see a paparazzi who we find out later is John Doe, who's the murderer. Yep. Evan's and I face. kind of felt that way when I was watching it. I was like, they wouldn't have just put that in there just to like have a random guy. Like they placed it. Which is my biggest problem with the whole movie is that they... My biggest problem with the whole movie is that some intentional callbacks were so obvious. Like when Morgan Freeman and Gwyneth Paltrow randomly go out to a diner because she he's the only one she could call. And she tells him she's pregnant. And it's like, wait a minute. Like call your best friend from back home from wherever you just came from. Like why do you need to talk? It just didn't make any sense. There were a couple of those where I was like this... Stop trying to be yeah, clever. I, you know what, though? You've seen this before. And so to you, it, it, you maybe thought that, but I didn't think that. Really? Being my first time, yeah. that didn't really occur to me that much. I mean, like, now that you say that, yeah, I agree. But, like, I first of all, when that reporter was there, I didn't recognize that it was Kevin Spacey. And no, if no, I, had, I didn't recognize I it was thought... Kevin Spacey either. Did you know Kevin Spacey was in this movie? No. Yes. I had no idea. That is I mean, a... he's not billed at all, which is... I think brilliant and I knew Kevin Spacey was in the movie because I'd seen it but what I noticed was that they didn't put him in the opening credits and he's and he was doing he he was huge that year it was like one of the biggest years yeah so smart that was that was which I think is so a, a testament to Kevin Spacey's dedication I mean Kevin Spacey, total garbage person which we know now but yeah no but 1995 um, he did Outbreak Seven and the usual suspects in the same year. Like this was the biggest year of his career and he didn't bill himself on this. So good. Which I think, yeah, like, like I said, I think he, he is a testament to his commitment to doing a character and doing it well. Um, like he, he's his personal life aside. He is, I think one of the great actors on the, on screen of like this generation. Bummer. Because he's so committed to his his craft, and I think it's it's kind of it's cool to watch. It makes me so sad that it's such a bummer. And knowing that he, knowing what we know now, right, and watching him play this yeah. character, and knowing that he's a, basically a pedophile, it's like you could see that creepy shine through even more. Like the creepy is even creepier yeah. because of who he the, is. The darkness inside of him. Is it makes sense darker. that he was so fucking good at that at this role. Um, which we've just yeah, about. and at all of his roles, like at, I mean, all of his roles, he brings a certain broody darkness to them. That like, did you like House of Cards? I liked the first season. I gave up. I I was obsessed with the first two seasons. I, like I love that shit so much, and I was mm-hmm. so sad when I when the news came out. Obviously, for those who don't aren't already picking up on this, Kevin Spacey got in trouble because he came out as gay at the same time that someone was coming out saying that Kevin Spacey abused them or um, molested them. and, and Young, like, young, young boys, like very young boys. Like 14. And yeah, he, yeah it was. Um, and so and it's just like all around trash. But anyway. Um, Isn't it interesting what time what the toll that time takes? Because if we were doing this podcast in 1995, like if we had flagged Brad Pitt in 1995 and been like, let's just follow his career and podcasts were a thing. <laughs> the way in which we would be talking about Kevin Spacey, like you're right, like he is, he was an, he's a fucking amazing. I mean, American Beauty, like the depth in that character that he plays, it's just like Jesus Christ, it's just such a bummer. 
He won Best Actor for that, I think. He did, but it makes sense. It makes sense that that well, that well that he pulls from, that like darkness that he pulls from so wonderfully. Hmm, story checks out. Anyway. Yeah. Same with like other people, like Louis C.K. It's like Ugh, that's a, that is that such dark a bummer. It's, a, it's crazy. Anyway, we don't have to get into that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> didn't know that Kevin Spacey was in this movie, I, and I didn't even recognize him as that reporter who took takes that picture. No, you're not supposed to. Or and John Doe. Like clocked, or John. I mean, yeah. But if I had, if I had clocked him, no. I mean, once he, once I saw him on screen, I was like, oh yeah, okay. But what, no, 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 no. Let's go back for one second for the story, because hold on to that thought. I want you to bring it up in two seconds, okay? So, okay. The, Morgan Freeman says, "I've got a great idea about the library." The FBI has. Oh just... yeah, I hadn't got there yet. Yeah, but you see him. He's, John Doe is still Morgan, still uh, Kevin Spacey, still him. Yes, but I'm just saying when we see that reporter in the staircase, I don't, I don't recognize him as Kevin Spacey. No, you shouldn't. That would ruin the whole right, thing. Right, but I'm saying if I looked, if I if we looked, we probably could because we see his face. No, you don't see his face. He's wearing a hat and sunglasses. You don't see it. He's. It's the same look as when we see John Doe for the first time. It's the same. He's wearing the same outfit. Trench coat, glasses, hat. Action. Okay, well, let me... I, I can pull it up really quick and just see it. Um, okay, yeah, here it is. So, it, you see him on the stairs take the picture, and but, like, he disguises his voice so we don't recognize that it's actually Kevin Spacey. And um, we, and then, like, he takes the picture, and, and you do see his face, but we, he's wearing a hat and glasses, and, like, he's moving a lot, and he's using his hands to cover his face a lot. Like, he's flailing. So we don't really... Like, we see that he has a face, but we're not – the thing is, is we're not looking for his face. Exactly. You're not supposed so to. So we don't – right. You're not supposed to see his face. And, like, only upon rewatching do I notice that he's blocking his face. Like, before it was just – it looked so natural totally. that I didn't even think think about it. That's why it's um, it's cool that you haven't seen it and I have because I knew – I didn't remember, but I knew, like, innately that that was a plant – from the filmmaker that was like, yeah. I knew that that was going to come back. Same thing with when Gwen talks to Morgan Freeman at the diner. Like it's the same thing where I was like, okay, that was clearly placed that if I had seen this for the first time, it, it, at one point you go like, did this happen for you where it all just sort of like, ah, like all the pieces fall into the right place. And you're like, I see what happened there. Yeah. But it happened late for me. I mean, okay, so let's go through it, and I'll tell you. What, I'll I'll tell you when it happened. That that moment happened to me. So, okay. anyway, so he takes the picture. He says, "Get out of, get out of here!" And then they scram. Um, that's scram. <laughs> that's three murders. And then after that, it's the uh, pride murder, which is the one where she has a, a phone in one hand and the pills in the other, and oh, he cuts right. her face off, and she takes the pills because she doesn't want anyone to see her ugly, um, which. I get that one. <laughs> that would be me. I get that one too, but I also, I must have like, I feel like they didn't really give that one due diligence. Like they spent so much time on the yeah. other ones. That one they just sort of breezed over, which. I think, yeah, but like, yeah, true. They did. They definitely did. Oh, I think I was texting you during that murder, so I wasn't paying attention <laughs> as much. <laughs> no, but there wasn't, it, it does go by really quick. But you yeah. know what's funny is, the actress who played that girl mm-hmm. said that she um, she thought that her murder was one of the 
bigger murders and that it was uh, definitely the most glamorous one. Okay. You know what I mean? Like she, but no, I just think it's funny because it's it's not <laughs> like she's wrong. It's a it's it. They breeze through it. I wouldn't say it's glamorous. Like it doesn't have that much glitz and glam. I mean, it's it's just sad. But like there wasn't that much makeup involved. There it, there wasn't a big gag like the starving guy or the fat guy. No, it was or the, just like I'm lazy. The... I don't give a fuck. Let's just throw this murder in there to just pr- to get. Let's just like throw this to meet our seven sin quota. <laughs> right, and she and she. But the actress has a big ego, just like the girl exactly that she's right. playing. That's you know, exactly it's right kind of funny. What goes around comes around. Yeah, and then after that is the um, <sighs> the leather. I think that's no, but that's before. Bef- that's after they find him. Right. So okay. So so yeah. Explain how they find him. Well, they find him through the library. They go to his house and. Um, he happens to be coming home from grocery shopping, sees them, immediately starts open firing, shooting at them, which I sort of didn't expect that. Not at all. Like, I didn't expect them to be right. Like, I didn't expect them to be correct that quickly. Um, and so then, and they didn't, honestly, they didn't expect themselves to be right either. Like, they didn't. But also, if you were John Doe, who is the guy they found in the library card, who's like, his name is John Doe, fitting. If you were him and you saw two cops at your door and you didn't want to get caught wouldn't you just turn around <laughs> and leave instead yeah. of opening fire i yeah i guess that's true i mean I, that's a good point clearly like, they but they saw him they did like turn and look at him yeah but he could have just said like hey dudes what's up like i just am bringing these groceries i don't know clearly it had to be that way for the film making purposes movie. and it's <laughs> yeah. a movie but like that was my thought um helpful or not yeah and then so then and then they they give chase then they give chase and here's a little factoid i'm sure you read about how uh brad when he was running in the rain after after john doe he slips and his arm fell through a car window and he severed a tendon in his arm and needed to go to the hospital during filming was gone for three days And so we see him for the rest of the movie with a cast on his arm. That's because that wasn't planned. He wasn't supposed to be injured in that way. Um, But he did severely injure himself. They just wrote it into the script. Yeah. Yeah, he he really fucking injured himself. Um, And so here was a point for me that I really liked that comes back later is that at that moment, uh, who we now know is Kevin Spacey, but we don't know at this point, John Doe, has Brad Pitt like – with the gun to his head and doesn't kill him. And I only bring Which that. Which I just wish he had. I, I, yeah, I only bring that up because, I mean, because the scene in the car after they've arrested him. Anyway, what's the next murder? Anyway, and then, well, and then he says, I'm going to pick up the pace. He's like, I, he's like, they're in his house and he calls his own house and he's like, just so you know, like a good, I, I respect you guys for finding me, but I'm going to pick up the pace now and the murders are going to happen quicker. Mm-hmm. And then they do. And then they find this guy with the, the crazy leather thing. The fuck suit. He fucks that, the fuck okay. suit. It's a leather it's like a, suit a with the on. scariest knife you've ever seen attached to it. And as a strap on. This one is really fucking crazy and psychologically insane because there's a yeah. living person who is meant to fuck up. Okay, the question is, if you have a gun to your head and a strap-on knife and someone has a gun to your head and says, fuck this woman, fuck this woman, 
Is it worse to fuck a woman to death with a knife with a gun to your head or just be killed? Because you're going to have to live with this for the rest of your life. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think Kevin Spacey would have killed him for not fucking her with the knife? Yes. He probably would have you killed think? her. Because he would have shot the girl and then shot the guy. Or just shot I the girl. I don't think so. What do you think? I he think would have he would have left. I think he would have left and found somebody who actually would do it. Because he wants to murder with these seven sins. Like he wants to yeah. murder in the style of the seven sins. So if he just kills this guy, then that's not doing it in the seven sins. It's he would be killing two people, not one. Yeah. And he considers himself moral. Like he honestly makes kind of a good point. Like he's like, Do these people not deserve to die? Exactly. Like, I know he them. makes a good point. And, it's the Dexter and argument. You're like, yeah, exactly. And so I I don't think that he would have killed. I think he would have been like, all right, fine. Peace out. Like, and they're saying with the girl who got her face cut off, she could have lived had she dialed. So that's the thing with this guy and with why he was so well thought out as a killer. And which is why you kind of like agree with him at the end, because he chose that person specific. Everything he did, he knew he could predict the next move. So like he knew that that guy yeah. that he picked would actually fuck this woman. He didn't take any yeah. risks. But still, if it was me, I'd say, fucking kill me. I don't want to live with murdering someone by fucking them with a huge knife. Same. Same. Exactly. And and that would I think that would get you off the hook. Because you're, he would be like, okay, so you're not going to fit so the profile of... So you've proven good of, in mine and God's eyes. Or, yes, that. And, but I think more importantly, you're just not going to fit the narrative that he's trying to spin. Like He wants it to be seven deadly sins. If you don't commit the sin, but he still kills you, then that kind of fucks up his whole thing. Yeah. So he probably wouldn't. I don't think he would have done it. Um, but yeah, anyway. So, but that guy does do it. <laughs> and um, she dies horribly. Well, yeah. I don't know how he lives with himself. He probably hangs himself in jail or something like that because that shit was fucked up. I wonder if um, he goes. That was the other thing. I wonder the implication of that and also of Brad killing John Doe at the end. Like, I wonder what the implications for all of these things are. Like, I wish there was a behind-the-scenes seven movie in which they wrapped up all of those other storylines, you know? Well, they tried it. They did try to make a sequel um, that was supposed to be released in 2015, but it wasn't, I don't think. No. Um, Morgan Freeman, right? After he retired? Yeah. Wait, is Morgan Freeman retired? <laughs> no, no. After he retired, like, the movie was supposed to be... Oh, the cop. After right. his character, yeah. Okay, so then... Um, John Doe comes to the police station. Turns himself in. Turns himself in. And basically says, I'm the man you've been looking for. And there's two other bodies. If you don't, basically, he's like, you, I can show you where the bodies are. I want to show you where the bodies are. And if you, if, if you let me show you where the bodies are, then I will, um, basically accept guilt for this. And, And you'll Otherwise, have you'd never find the bodies. Otherwise, you'd never find the bodies, and if the pre- and then it's this whole psychological thing, which I wish that I was savvy enough to say right now. Can you sum it up? the The legal argument with Aaron with the guy from West Wing. Oh, um, I think it's just like that. He was basically saying like he'll plead insanity, mm-hmm. and he'll get a limited sentence because of that, or and you he'll won't find accept the. Two bodies. the f- and you won't find the two bodies, um, which will that information will get out and everyone will say, 
will give you a hard time for that, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, or he shows you where the bodies are and, um, you know, then he'll accept whatever the full sentencing is. And it's like, it's tricky because they're like, look, we know he's playing us. Like he's fully playing us, yeah. but like, we don't, we kind of don't have a choice. We sort of have to see it through. Yeah. Um, and it's a cool ending. I mean, like I, I, we don't have to give it a play by play, but it's, I mean, maybe I sort of should. We but do. Like, we do have to, I think. First of all, why did... Okay, so so they drive way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere. Why did they have to go go that far? Like, did he just want to be... Because they left I at look? 6 a.m. And he wanted he wanted the package to be there at 7 a.m. So that it was 7 o'clock. So he went an hour outside of the way. So, Well, also filmmaking. Again, back to filmmaking. We needed to have the time for the three of them to be in the car so that we could hear what they needed to talk about. So that we could hear yeah. his explanation, so that all the mm-hmm. puzzle pieces could fall into place. So we needed them yeah. to be alone in a car for an hour. I think is fine, uh, even though it's nowhere city. Clearly, they're in California. That is total California uh, landscape, which I loved. And it could um, have been the Midwest, maybe. Sure, but the it's it's definitely. I was thinking like New York City because the the screenwriter wrote it in New York City. Um, yeah, the, but then it looks it looks like it could be the outskirts of. Michigan, like in Detroit or like Chicago? Mm, I'd say more like Kansas. So it's like those rolling hills. Anyway, anyway, anyway. They yeah. needed to get us an hour outside of town so that they could arrive at 7. So now here's mm-hmm. the blow by blow. They okay. get out of the car. He goes, all right, let's go see. He says it's over there. They walk, all three of them. Then they see a, a bus uh, a van coming down. Morgan Freeman runs. It turns out to be a package for Brad Pitt. He opens the package. It is the head. It's, it's wife's head. It's Gwyneth's head. But we don't see the head, but everyone swears that they did see the head. Which is a wild and crazy which is thing. A fun thing. Just like how you thought you had seen Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. People left the theater convinced they had seen Gwyneth Paltrow's head. And I remember when I sat down to watch this movie, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like so excited to see how they show Gwyneth Paltrow's head. And I was surprised that I didn't see her head. Yeah. It's just alluded to, which is like such a cool thing about movies and filmmaking in general that you could put a a memory in someone's head that wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. They inceptioned us. Yeah. After such a psychological fuck around. So anyway, we find out that the last two sins are, what are they? They are, um, is it, it's, fuck, I fucked myself here. I wrote it down. Why? Because these are the most, two most important sins of the movie. Oh, envy. Um, Okay. So he needs to die. So Kevin Spacey needs to die because he envies Brad Pitt's life. He envies his happy life. Um, and so he orchestrates his own death by doing this, right? No. No. That's um, what I thought. And Wrath. Her, she dies from envy. She dies from envy. Oh, he dies from wrath. From wrath, yeah. Oh, I was thinking he was dying from envy because, yeah, that makes total sense, and I misread it. But, yes, he dies from wrath. And... The studio didn't want him to die. They wanted. They didn't want him to die. They didn't want Gwyneth's head to be in the box. And thankfully, 
Brad Pitt and um, what's his tits, the director, uh, David yeah, Fincher. David Fincher. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> old what's his tits over there. Um, he he and Brad Pitt both insisted before they even started production that this is the ending that needs to happen. And they were like, yeah, yeah, cool, 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 whatever. And then they started playing it for test audiences. And they were like, well, what if we change the head in the box to be like the dog's head or something? And Brad Pitt was like, nah, nah, nah. We it's talked about my this. my contract, motherfuckers. Yep, we're doing it this way. And they're like, ugh. But then, but like, see, this is why studios are such fuckboys because they always want to make things like padded and like a hat. Like, if the, if they had their say, every movie would be like the new Star Wars movies or the new like superhero movies, where it's just like padded and like scientifically crafted to be like an entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Takes no risks and like there's no surprises really. This and this movie just ends and you're just like, ugh, like that was it. It's just fucking over. It's over and it's hurtful and it's a it's a true fucking psychological fuck around. It's a true thing where. You, you leave and you go, I, at least I go, like, thank you for being honest with your audience. Like, thank you for not giving us what Hollywood wants to give us. Like, yeah. Um, and it really, pays stick, off. it sticks with you and it really pays off. And um, it was number one in the box office for four weeks in a row. Yeah, so let's talk about the numbers really quick then. So it was number one in the box office four weeks in a row. Opening weekend, it made $13.9 million. Mm-hmm. Um, On a $30, $30 million budget. So they knew they were going to make their money back, which is great. Yeah. Um, it ended up uh, with a domestic gross of $100 million and then a worldwide total of $327.3 million, which is fucking huge. huge. Like so much goddamn money. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It was the number seven movie of that year. No, it was number nine behind oh. Casper. Number it nine was behind number seven Casper. Worldwide. Seven worldwide, nine it's behind funny. Casper. Do you remember Casper? No. If you don't remember Jagged Little Pill, yeah. you don't remember Casper. No, I remember Casper. I was a child, so I wasn't listening to Jagged Little Pill as a child. I was, well, listening, I... I was watching Casper. <laughs> I loved that movie with Devin <laughs> Sawa. He's the love of my life. <laughs> um, and that, that was the, and Toy Story was the number one movie by Don't you sass me on Jagged Little Pill? Let's just bring it back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've got one hand in my pocket and the other one is a box full of Gwyneth Paltrow's head. You wouldn't get that <laughs> reference because you I don't get that reference, but I get the one about Gwyneth Paltrow's head because boy <laughs> well I'm not gonna make any Gwyneth Paltrow death threats on here because I she's a fine person and a great actor. We talked about I don't this last episode. She's she has become a mega quadrillion banillionaire because of goop. Goop. Pa- goop is her you don't know about this? No. Last week I referred to her as Goopy. Yeah, and I just thought you were just saying she's Goopy. Like no, Goop is her company. It's oh. a lifestyle blog brand. They also have like bath salts and oh my god, it's it's one of the biggest brands in the world. Like one of the biggest um, healthcare and beauty brands in the country right now. Started by Gwyneth Paltrow. It started as okay, wow. a calm down. First newsletter. of all, stop yelling well, at it's me. Huge. <laughs> I follow them both on Instagram just for pure entertainment. Because <laughs> she's she's the worst. She's the worst. Okay, people hate Gwyneth Paltrow. People really feel strongly about her. It's because of Goop. Just pay attention. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll do my Goop research. <laughs> anyway, yeah, because he's going to be dating her for a little while. So he's dating her. Okay, let's just call this call this out. So they start dating. 
um, in in early 1995 when this movie's in production. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie comes out in uh, in September 1995, which is such a quick um, turnaround. Yeah, I mean they were shooting in like January. Yeah, well I think they were like they finished. Pro- I didn't see anywhere how long it took to make the movie, but typically it takes like 30 to 50 days to make a movie. Yeah. So. You know, let's say they wrap production in February 1995. They have, yeah, it's a pretty quick turnaround. But, like, you know, it's a studio movie, so you can actually get things edited quickly when you have money. Totally. <laughs> it's not like indies where, like, the editing and, like, distribution process takes six years because it's, like, fucking impossible. Yeah. It's a studio. They just get it done. So, and it got nominated for editing for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, and she was 22 when they started dating. 22. He was, he was 32. Yep. He loves them 10 years younger. Here's the he thing. He loves them young. He was my age. I'm turning 32 exactly one month from today. Wow. He was my age and he was already, this is episode 11. He's on his 11th movie. 12th movie. Fuck, fuck that. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. You <laughs> that know, famous ass Part bitch. of me, it feels good about that because he still kind of was at the beginning of his career and maybe like this is the beginning of our like famous rise into uh movie reviews and podcasting yeah this is it <laughs> like maybe here we are um, yeah but also part of me is like fuck you son of a mother and he keeps yeah, going right? and going and going for 75 episodes we hope to see you all very soon um for all of them so um, there's and gwyneth talks about this relationship very like wistfully like she she, she loved it i think i think um, we both loved it it's just like she who must not be named also talks about her romance with Brad very wistfully. Yeah, well, Brad Pitt was still in love with she who not must be named for a while after this, and like I think this is he's finally over her and he's like into Gwyneth. He took Gwyneth home to meet his family oh, in for Christmas that year. Did you hear? Did you read that funny little anecdote about when he took? Um, by the way, now it's like I, there's so much stuff on Brad Pitt and like I searched like People magazine from 1995. And yeah. it's like so many random ass articles about Brad Pitt. But I'd like to like... say this. Every time I go to the grocery store, every single time I pull the tabloid magazines at checkout, he is on one of three out of like either one out of three or, or two out of five magazines. Still. Still. Every single time. Yeah. I was taking pictures and sending them to you, but I stopped doing that because it's it's just is what like, it is. We get it. He's on <laughs> yeah. every he's on fucking every magazine. Still. Like we get it. He's everywhere. Yeah. No, but there's this funny little anecdote that I read in People from 1995 where he, they went home for Christmas and he was grocery shopping for um, Christmas in his hometown and people recognized him and they freaked out and he was signing autographs um, and no one recognized Gwyneth and yeah. she was like. He went. Out, he was like, okay, I've had enough. So he went outside to go smoke a cigarette to get away from everybody, and she just stayed inside and and like bought the stuff. And like the cashier was like, oh my god, that was Brad Pitt. And she was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl, Goop yeah. Queen. When I said earlier that I hate her, it's because I love her. And I think right. that's the I way like we all her. that's the way we all feel is that no, she's... I like her. Like I found out recently that people don't like her. I was like, I thought we liked Gwyneth. But, but people don't like her because they want to be her. Right. Is yeah. what well, I'm Brad gathering. Pitt, Brad Pitt, people people love Brad Pitt. Like guys want to be him and girls want him to fuck him. They want him. And it's like that's a that's a very special thing about him is that a lot of people, you know, they don't have that. Guys will hate guys that girls love, but in this case guys love him. I have to say um on episode 11 of This is the Pits that 
I thought I was going to really hate him, but I'm falling more and more in love with him every day. <laughs> same, same. I know. We haven't even talked about how hot he was this movie. He was well, pretty hot. So, okay. Let me... He walked... I think I wrote in my notes. He enters the screen, and even though he's like... He's like douchey and wearing a basketball tie. I go, oh, hey, girl. Like, damn. Yeah. Um, damn. Those bleach tips were working for me. They were doing something. All right. So let's get into ratings because we're an hour in. Okay. Let me do a recap of all the ratings and then we can do our own. Okay. Before we start ratings, I have one more fun fact that I really want to say. Yeah, please. Denzel Washington won Sexiest Man Alive, I think, two years after uh-huh. Brad Pitt. And he um, also turned down this yes. role yes, he for did. this part, which would have been interesting. It would have been interesting for it to be two black cops. It totally. would have made I, there would have been a different, like a a, a kind of a, a race element. Would you'd have to address? Absolutely, I mean, you wouldn't have to address it, but like it would be there. It, it would, would be, be a different. It would be a totally th- a different dynamic. I almost brought this up earlier. It is so interesting. It's so interesting, just how um, that race card gets played. Like how we don't even have to think about it. We have a, a Brad Pitt who comes in and it changes the whole game. But I wonder, unfortunately, I wonder uh, how much of the success of this movie was due to Brad Pitt's involvement in it at this particular time. Oh, a lot. I mean, but also Denzel Washington, I don't, I think Man on Fire was 1994, yeah. right? I mean, he was killing it. Yeah, Denzel was killing the game too. Like they, I think Denzel would have been a great choice for this. He he he's he, I don't think he was as tabloid famous as Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. But Denzel would have been um he would have done amazing. I'm also obsessed with Denzel Washington. Well, that's I also am obsessed with Denzel Washington. I I think that he would have been less of a hot shot and more of an ego clash. Is the way that I would play that in my head Denzel, with Denzel like but Denzel Young could play an ego. But I could never see Denzel as someone who... Not that I thought Brad Pitt was an idiot in this movie, but he did have a little bit of a dumb vibe for a second. And I have trouble seeing Denzel as anything other than like really intelligent, if that makes sense. No, I could see Denzel playing a hot sh- a hothead. He, hothead, he does it... but, but I didn't think that... I guess I just thought that Brad was kind of dummy. Like he got those, he got the fucking um, Cliff's notes. Well, yeah, yeah, that was that was funny. Well, he's also since he since he's attractive, it's easy for him to like lean into yeah dumb. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? So he so can, is Denzel. he Denzel. Denzel's hot, but I can't see him leaning into dumb. He kind of I've seen him do it in. I'm trying to think of what movie I've seen him like be a little dumb on purpose, and it works really well. I can't think of it right now, but I've seen him do that before. Either way, wouldn't it be that. great if we lived in a world in which we could get both movies? And to just to see the difference, just just to see what one the difference of one actor would make. Because you're right, like Denzel would fucking kill it in this role. He'd do, he It would be great. It would have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's... Uh... Anyway, so now we should get into the ratings, though. Let's talk about the ratings. Yeah, I really want to... Oh. Do- Oh, go also, on. this movie was released at the same day as Showgirls. I know. And Showgirls, I wrote this down. Hold on. Where did I put that note? Showgirls. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's gone. Um, Showgirls did not do good. Oh, <laughs> did no, not do did well that. compared to this movie. Anyway, okay. So I really wanted to get into 
like the Bible and all of this, uh, the nitty gritty of this, of this movie, um, because I was a religious studies major and I'm all the fuck about the seven deadly sins, etc. We didn't get there, but here are the ratings. Okay. Okay. Google. 89%. Yep. Rotten that Tomatoes. 80%. Mm-hmm. Metacritic. 65%. That's based on 22 reviews. Interesting. Isn't that so crazy? It really dips. Yeah. That's a big dip. And then are you ready for our litmus, which is Entertainment Weekly? <laughs> Give it to me straight. Uh, a B. Solid B. A solid B? You're, this movie is not as good as, <laughs> as Too Young to Die? Look, all right, listener, if, you haven't, if you're episode 11 and you still haven't watched Too Young to Die to understand <laughs> why I feel so much rage every time Entertainment Weekly is brought up, it's because back in episode two... When we watched the movie Too Young to Die, which we kind of used as our starting point for Brad's entire career, um, <laughs> they rated that TV movie, that garbage heap trash fire of a movie. They gave it an A, a fucking A. And so now we always go back to Entertainment Weekly to see what they think, what their bullshit opinion. Forever and always. It's they... their opinion, and they're entitled to it, but it's fucking <laughs> The time. Their thing was they thought the movie was skillfully executed. Um, there were no good quotes. La- a couple, the last two episodes they've had some good quotes. This one they didn't really, but they thought that the whole seven thing, seven sins thing, was hokey and predictable. But that the filmmaking was masterful and blah blah blah. Um, just really quick for accolades outside yeah. of ratings. Yeah. Um, it won the best movie of the year for, at the MTV Movie Awards. Okay. Which I was, I was definitely watching. Uh, he won the Most Desirable Man at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, I agree. And Kevin Spacey won Best Villain at the MTV Movie Awards. That's a good one. Yeah. And it won, or it was nominated for Best Editing. And for uh, an Academy Award, yeah. Braveheart won that year for the Academy Braveheart. Award. Braveheart, what a crazy movie. Um, cool. So what about your ratings? What do you rate the movie overall? It's a tricky one because I, I really, I really did like it the first time I saw it, and I liked it last night when I watched it. I was a little bit bored because I had already seen it, so it, yeah. So like, it's really the best the first time you see it, right? Right. Um. And so many years have passed since nineteen thirteen years have passed. Hmm. I'm gonna give it an A, seven and seven point seven, because it's yeah, that's exactly it's a seven point seven. That is exactly where <laughs> I'm at. Like seven and a half seems low, yeah, but then eight seems high, yeah. And like, the movie I'm, is I'm called Seven, so let's call it a seven seven. Okay, yeah, I could give it a seven point seven. That's yeah. fair. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely not like bad. Like it's a good movie. But it's, I I agree with I mean oh I can't believe I'm saying this but I agree with that that wording from the e, uh, Entertainment Weekly review that the Seven Deadly Sins things to me it's a little cheesy a little hokey I wouldn't say predict I mean I guess it is predictable because you just know the Seven Seven Deadly Sins but it's filmed really well and it's I, I'll give it an eight I'll give it an eight because I think in a lot of ways it was a trailblazer in filmmaking in general you know like it it, yeah. it had good acting the lighting was unique the tile sequence was unique. 
I think, and um, the story was, I think, pretty simple, which I think is why it loses a couple points because the story's kind of basic. Yeah, it's very good at psychological, and it's very good, well acted, and and I mean, it's a good movie. It's it's a good movie, but it it the the story itself doesn't feel that original. But it's okay because everything, like you forgive that because everything else is so unique. But I think it's not super rewatchable because after a while it starts right. to. You start to be like, okay, I've seen all the gags and I kind of, you know, you start to see everything coming and it's just at that. And then it starts to like lose its, its zhuzh. Oh, hold on. The cat's stepping on the keyboard now. Can you see her? <laughs> yeah, I can see her in her beautiful body. She's never she looked right into the camera. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, yeah, no, I agree with, with all of that. But I think a big part of filmmaking is to make, or at least for me, if I were to make one, it would it would be to make an everlasting thing. Like the first time I watched it, I remember being so wowed and impressed and amazed. And last night I was sort of just kind of, it was like the second time I watched it, I was trying to see how the sausage gets made a little bit, like yeah. to try to call out the filmmaker. Um, so I'm going to stick with that 7.7, but I did, I did like it, like. That's anything above five means I liked it. Even sometimes under five means I liked it. I just, I think a 7.7 7 yeah. is fitting for seven. Okay. You know, I'm giving, well, I'm, I'm going to give it a solid eight. Okay. And then for Brad Pitt's acting, how do you feel? Um, at first I wasn't into it, but then when he started to get kind of hot headed, like at first when he was just like this idiot, I was like, yeah. Oh God, I don't care. Um, yeah. But then when he got more hot headed and more protective, I was into it. Don't kill me, but I think I'm gonna give his acting a seven point seven. <laughs> I'm gonna give his acting a seven, just a flat seven. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna go you're right, you're right. It's a flat seven. We've seen better, we've seen worse. It's okay, it's pretty middle of the pack. I but think do you wanna finally, give him that this extra... is him learning how to Do you wanna give him that extra point seven because he brought because he like really sculpted the role outside of what he did on screen. He brought his own ties. He, you know. No, because I think he's shown that he, he can do that before. He he's shown before that when he gets involved in the production that he does a, he makes good decisions. Yeah. His acting on screen a few times left something to be desired. So I'm I'm sticking with my seven. I'm gonna go with a seven too. Solid seven. Yeah, the solid seven. Because I mean, what he brought what he brought to the movie afterward it kind of made the movie because they the studio would have softened it and made it stupid and yeah. he saved it a little bit yeah he definitely so. was not the star of this like if i if we weren't doing this podcast and i still had to give it a review and we didn't have to judge him on his acting he wouldn't be the reason why i liked it if that makes right. sense totally yeah that's a really good way to put it um okay now what do you think about his hair I didn't like it so much. I was really getting into the Legends of the Fall vibes. I, as a child who was listening to Jagged Little Pill and watching Devin Sawa with his spiked bleached hair, brings back bad memories for me. He can do. He can do better. Basically, I don't he can, like. And he will do better. I don't like a Brad Pitt with gel in his hair. Well, yeah. Well, we hadn't yet learned that just because we'd invented gel. In the in the nineties, <laughs> and we didn't learn that we shouldn't be using it that much. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna give it. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah, I was gonna give it a five. It's, He's cute. He's so good looking, and I fall more and more in love with him every movie. So, 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, it's pretty middle of the pack here. It's five for me. Um, great. Well, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Next week, we are watching 12 Monkeys, which is another movie. So I have seen it, and it has, the, in my memory, the same kind of vibes as Seven. Mm. But I think I like it better. I don't remember. I can't wait to find out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. Listeners, I really want to stress this. Watch the movie with us. Join us on this journey. Yeah. Yes, it's so much more fun when you've seen the movie recently. And then you can tell us that we're wrong or that we're full of shit. Like, I want to hear that. Like, I want to hear responses. Um, and you can email us at thisisthepitspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thisisthepitspod. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at thepitspod. Yeah, and um, engage with us and tell us things we miss. Yeah. And tell us things that you hate. We didn't even talk about Brad Pitt saying the line, what's in the box? Which is a great <laughs> moment. But yeah. like, so tell us stuff like that, stuff that we don't get into. Like I, I'm interested to hear. There's a lot so. we didn't cover. Just, just full disclosure. There's a lot we didn't cover this episode because yeah, things are getting crazy in the world and in his life. And we just sort of let our conversation flow. It's not, Oh, God, would that we? We could don't talk about this shit it. beforehand, so yeah, exactly. It, it is what it is. But anyway, um, Twelve Monkeys next week. Twelve Monkeys is coming up next. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.